Good morning, Murray Hills. If you are in the room with us right now, please keep talking amongst yourselves. Services will start in just a minute. I just wanted to say hello to our online audience and welcome you to Online Church. I wanted to give you those reminders that we give every Sunday. Share the live stream on your personal page. Comment. Let us know you're there and how we can be praying for you. And please fill out an online communication card. And I'd encourage you to do that before we start worship. That way you can really focus in on the worship once we begin. I also wanted to say a little something to you about returning to in-person services. I know some of you are thinking about whether or not it's time to come back to the building and try worshiping in person. It's been March since you've been able to do that. And so we've had phone calls and emails, people saying, you know, what's it like when you come back? Well, a couple reminders for you just to let you know. One, we are encouraging people to wear masks. And especially when you come into the building, when you're in the hallways or in the lobbies, uh, our staff have masks on, our host team has masks on. Most of them take them off when they sit down so that they can sing, and we are social distancing in the auditorium. That's the second reminder. So we've got plenty of seats set up in the room. We've got 300-something seats set up. We've been averaging 70 to 80 people on Sunday morning. Plenty of room to space out and feel comfortable in the worship center. And then the third thing is children. Uh, we're not having children's ministry yet, and we're still evaluating that. We're just watching to see what happens with the school system before we resume children's ministry on Sunday morning. But we love having kids here on Sunday morning. So you are welcome to bring the kids. We've got activity bags for them to pick up. The kids love singing the worship songs, and we love hearing them sing the worship songs. And uh, we, I mean, hey, you always worried about, you know, well, yeah, they're going to be running around or they're going to be making noise and all that stuff. It, really, it's no big deal to us at all. We love having the entire family together for worship, especially right now in these kind of crazy times that we're in. So you're welcome to bring the kids. So I'm not pressuring you to come back to in-person services. You may, if you're comfortable staying online, just keep staying online. But should you get ready, I just want you to know that we are doing all we can to make sure that it's a safe environment for you to come back to. So the last month or so, we've began worship with communion. And I, I love that. I think it's been a really powerful way for us to start worship because just at the very beginning of worship, we focus on what matters most, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then that leads us into everything else we do together on Sunday morning. So Jill Barber is gonna lead us in that time right now. If you've got the elements, go ahead and get those ready. And uh, those of you in the room, you might want to pick up communion if you haven't already. Let's begin our worship of communion, and then we'll go into our song service. I'm ready to worship with you this morning. Hey, this is Jill Barber. I uh, just wanted to come and talk to you for a second to let you know that Jesus has impacted my life in a way that I almost can't explain. He's been there for me through severe depression and anxiety and moments where I didn't want to go on. And as those moments tried to take over my life, I found such great grace in Him. And as the truth I've learned of how much He loves me has continued to get me through more and more the trials that I see in others and in myself. I've learned that I can trust Him. And the more that I focus on Him, the more I realize that it's really His story 
in the end anyways and not mine. I want to encourage you that when times are tough and your emotions are running high and your thoughts are going negative, to turn back to Him because the truth will set you free. Good morning, church. As you...
have made a mistake. I'll let you know in about three weeks whether or not I made a mistake, but I'm, I'm already sensing it uh, week one of the series. This is actually week two, but we didn't, we're not really beginning the readings to this week, so I'm kind of calling it week one. Um, the original idea behind this book was that it would be a 31-week series that accompanies it, because there's 31 chapters in the book, so you do one chapter a Sunday. But when I saw that, I thought, a 31-week series, I just, goodness. I mean, like most of my series are four to six weeks. I'm not, I'm not sure I could hold my own attention for 31 weeks. So I, you know, I, I reworked it, put it together, kind of, I put it in, condensed it down into 14 weeks. And so the plan was uh, we were going to do eight weeks on the Old Testament. We're going to take a, a week off for fall break and then do six weeks on the New Testament. And it all looked great on paper. Like when you're just looking at the reading schedule and all that, I mean, I was like, oh yeah, we can do this. This is easy. Uh, then I started trying to write the first message, because today I'm, I'm kind of introducing chapters 1 and 2, which is Genesis 1 through maybe 40, 45, or something like that. And I started realizing pretty quickly I had a problem. How do you condense 21 years, 2100 years, <laughs> forget 21 years, 2100 years of human history into a 15-minute message? And, I mean, we may be talking about millions and billions of years of human history if we're going all the way back to creation, depending on how you interpret that story. So how do you, how do you fit that into one message? Because there's a massive amount of information in this reading. The reading is only two chapters. It's only going to take you 15 minutes maybe to do the reading. But there's a massive amount of information in there. There are at least four major stories in this reading. The creation story the fall of man story, uh, the flood account, and the story of Abraham and his descendants, which is really a story with, you know, dozens of other stories. It's the whole rest of the New Testament is the story of Abraham and his descendants. Uh, there's at least seven major theological themes within this one. Uh, creation, rebellion, deliverance, Blessing, sin, covenant, and faith. Each one of those, we could do a seven-week series just on the seven major themes within the book of Genesis. And then there's at least 14 major characters in this reading. Uh, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, um, Noah, then what we got? Abraham, and then uh, Sarah, and her son Isaac, and then Hagar, and her son Ishmael, and then uh, Jake, uh, Jacob and... Let's see, Jacob and Esau, yeah, but we got to get Sarah and uh, Rebecca in there before, or Rebecca and Leah before, that. I'm like, it's just, I can't even keep up with it. I was trying to do it off memory, you can't keep up with it. And then it gets into 12 sons of Israel, so there's like 26 major characters in this week's reading. And I'm not trying to talk you out of doing the reading, they actually condense it into a small amount of information. I'm just saying, it's hard to wrap your mind around everything that's going on 
in the story just in the opening chapters. And it's why I want to remind you, we are reading this for the big picture. The, whole, the, way, the reason we're going through this in 14 weeks and the reason that it's, it's condensed in a, in a one uh, volume like this and it's condensed in 31 chapters, the reason we're doing it this way is because we're trying to get the big picture of what the story is about. We're not reading for the details. We are reading for the grand narrative. What is the grand narrative of Scripture that's told all the way from the creation of man uh, through... <clears throat> the establishment of a new garden in Revelation. Like, what, it, what is that grand narrative? And I've told you it's about Christ. And I'm encouraging you not to get bogged down in the details. And you will be tempted to get bogged down in the details. So as I read this week, I had a highlighter, and I was kind of looking for main themes. And I highlighted a bunch of stuff in there. But I also started writing little question marks in the margin. Like, anywhere I ran across a detail, and I'm like, what? what? You know, and so you're going to be tempted to write a bunch of question marks and to start chasing those, going down those rabbit trails, I'm going to encourage you not to do that. Okay, you can mark it and go back and say, I'll look at that later, but finish the reading first. Like, you're going to run across Noah was 600 years old when his story began. It's like, well, how does that happen? You know, question mark. <laughs> or you're going to run across uh, serpents that are talking in the garden or uh, the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil and uh, the tree of life, and you're going to write a little question, like, what happened to those trees? Where did those go? And, you know... Um, Abraham slept with his servant at the bequest of his wife in order to fulfill God's promises. And, and you know, there's, I mean, there's going to be a bunch of those little that you want to go, what is that? How does that, what is going on here? I want to encourage you to keep reading for the big picture. Keep, keep trying to see the main thing. Don't get bogged down in the details because there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that doesn't translate well to us today because, A, we're reading from a very different time period and a very different cultural setting than our own. And uh, as Americans, we're real tempted to take an American mindset or a Western mentality and, and try to impose that over a Hebrew mentality, and it, it's a very different time period. The other thing is that we're reading Hebrew history, not Western history, and Hebrew history is written different than Western history. Hebrew history has one main concern, and that's theological. It's trying to make a theological point. So it doesn't always connect the dots the way we like to see our history books connect the dots. They're, the main point of Hebrew history is we want to make a theological point. We want to tell you something about God, and we want you to learn something about God. And that's exactly uh, what you'll see here. So don't, don't get bogged down in the details. We're looking for the big picture. The best way I can illustrate this is uh, something I used two or three years ago. So if you've been in Murray Hills a little while, you might have seen this. But I ran across this. I actually heard it on NPR Somebody was describing this book. And you don't have to buy the book because we're going to read the whole thing together right now. It's a little 26, 27-page book called Zoom. And it's a book with uh, no words. It just has pictures. And so you open up the, the first page of the book, and you see this right here. And so what is that? Well, we don't know. I mean, you, you can't tell. You can, you can make some guesses, but we don't know because we're too close to it. So you had to back up a little bit. That's the concept behind Zoom. You back up a little bit and they go, oh, that's a rooster. Okay, yeah, now I see. That's a rooster. And you back up a little bit more. And you see the whole rooster. Back up a little bit more. And you say, well, it's not really a rooster. It's a toy. So it's a rooster in a toy. And this kid's playing with the toy. And then so Zoom just kind of keeps taking you back. And you realize, no, it's a magazine cover. And you keep backing up. And you say, no, it's, all, it's, a, it's an advertisement on the side of a bus. And you keep backing up, and you say, no, it's, it's in a TV. It's a television show. And you back up, and you say, no, it's a stamp. 
And you keep backing up until you get to the end of the book and realize that what you're looking at is basically an island. Now, what I'm trying to say here is, when we read scripture, a lot of times we, we notice the rooster or the postcard or the toy or the TV or the postage stamp. Or like we notice these little small details of scripture and say, that's what the story's all about. That's what God wanted us to know right there. And it's not. We've got to keep backing up and see what God wants us to see the whole picture. God wants us to see the whole island, not just the details. And the whole island is Jesus. That's what I've told you all along, and I'll keep talking about this, talking about this. The whole picture is Jesus. And that's what we're going to do when we read through this. We're looking for the big ideas that exist within the story that carry it along to its destination. What are the big ideas in this story? And already we run into several big ideas in this week's reading. Uh, The creation story and the fall of man are two theological foundations for a lot of what we believe, and they carry forward a lot of the stuff we read in the New Testament. But creation teaches us that God created you know, don't get bogged down in how he created. Was it, it literal 24-hour days? Were they, were they thousand-year periods? Were they million-year periods? How does this co- work with evolution all that? Just the main point is that God created. And that what he created was good. God called everything he created good, including mankind. And that God created us to be in relationship with him. That God created us for... for um, for his glory, really. That, you know, we're created, we're invited into this relationship with the creator. And this Garden of Eden is this perfect world in which mankind lives together with God in perfect relationship. But God doesn't force us into that relationship. He gives us a choice. There's free will. So there's, there's, you don't have to be in this relationship. There's a choice. You can choose whether to obey God or disobey God. And, of course, Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. They rebelled against God, and we call that sin. And the first big idea that you're going to run across right here in the first chapter is that sin changes everything. That's the story. That's the, the fall of man tells us that sin changes everything our world looks very different today because of the fall of man we still live in a fallen world and we live in a world in which sin changes everything it changes the nature of our relationship with God it changes the nature of our relationship with each other it changes the nature of our relationship with ourselves one of the most um, powerful truths that you read in here is that shame did not exist until sin exists like when you read that story of Adam and Eve, you see that they were not ashamed until sin was introduced. Once sin was introduced, they then experienced shame. Can you imagine a world in which there is no shame? Or a world in which there is no suffering? Or a world in which there is no, no conflict? There is no, you know, that's sin. When sin was introduced, it introduced shame, it introduced suffering, it introduced uh, conflict, it introduced turmoil, uh, it introduced um, death. I mean, sin changed everything. It changed everything for Adam and Eve. You can read the consequences of their sin. It changed everything for Cain and Abel. You can read of the consequences of their children's sin. It got so bad that God grew frustrated with his entire creation and said, "This thing, it's so bad, sin has changed so much that I would prefer to just wipe it clean. I would prefer to just start completely over. And the creator was going to destroy his creation because sin had so marred the original intent of creation. But then there's a, there's a story, and it's in chapter 2 here. It's just one line, and I, I, I highlighted it. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. There was one man 
and his family that was righteous. And they found favor in God's eyes. And so God said, I will destroy the world, but I will redeem this one man and his family. And that's the second big idea you're going to run across. What sin changes, faith overcomes. So yes, sin, there, there are consequences for sin. There were consequences for Adam and Eve. There were consequences for Cain and his sin. There's consequences all throughout the Old Testament. The, the story of the Old Testament is this story of how bad sin messes up relationships. I mean, the story of Abraham and his descendants is a story of a dysfunctional family. And there's all kind of sin present throughout the story because it changes everything. But the story is also, there's these parallel themes running through it. The story is also that what sin changes, faith overcomes. God always provides a way out. Yes, God is a God of justice, and as a God of justice, there are consequences to sin, but God is also a God of mercy, and he wants to redeem his people, and he wants to rescue his people. And the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. And so God is always looking to rescue and redeem, and you see that through the story of Moses, you see that through the story of Abraham, I mean, Noah, excuse me, I'm jumping ahead to Moses, that's next week. You see it through the story of Noah, you see it through Abraham, you see it through Moses, you see it through all these stories that God is choosing to redeem. And there were several places in this week's reading that I saw it. The second thing I did with my highlighter is, one, I was writing little question marks of things I'd like to go back and try to kind of figure out what that means. The other thing I did was I wrote a J anywhere I saw Jesus. And yeah, we're reading Genesis, and, and Jesus is present in Genesis. He shows up really early in the book, actually. If you've got a, you know, like a, a Bible, it shows up in the second chapter or third chapter in the book, because right after the fall, there's consequences. There's consequences for Adam, there's consequences for Eve, and there's consequences for the servant, which represents evil. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And that's a reference to Jesus. Because already, you know, God's kind of saying, I, I, there, is a, there is someone coming who will redeem and rescue. There is someone coming who will crush evil. And so already it's foreshadowing. Sin, man has really messed things up through sin. But already it's, it's projecting Jesus. And then in the story of Noah, goodness, I cannot talk this morning. In the story of Noah, I wrote a J right there, too, because God made a covenant with Noah right after the flood. Genesis chapter 9, verse 11, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And it's the first covenant that God established with his people. It would be followed by the covenant with Abraham, followed by a covenant with Moses, all of which would ultimately be fulfilled through Jesus. And then there's a story in Abraham that's clear foreshadowing. And again, it's one of those stories that you'll get tempted to get, you'll get in the details. And you're like, why would God ask him to do that? And, and why would there be such a thing as animal sacrifices? And why do we have that kind of system in, in the old, you know, don't, don't get bogged down in the details. Look at the obvious purpose of why this story was included in our scriptures. It's the story of Abraham and his son Isaac. And God asked Abraham to sacrifice his firstborn. Now, he didn't have to. God provided a way out. Abraham was willing to, and this is what Genesis chapter 22 says, I swear by myself, this is the words of the Lord, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and you have not withheld your son, your only son. Now, those of you with a little bit of knowledge in the New Testament, what does that remind you of? Right? There's John three sixteen showing up in Genesis 22. Because you have not withheld your only son, 
I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of their cities, of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Sin changes everything. But what sin changes, faith overcomes. Look for those themes in the reading this week. And, and a reminder, what we're trying to do in this series is the message is intended to kind of set up the reading. I know some of you have cheated and already read. That's okay. I know some of you have already read the chapters because you just, like, somebody caught me last week and they were like, I try, I just, I was reading the preface and I start read the, and I just somehow, the next thing I know, I'd read like three or four chapters. I'm sorry. And I'm like, that's okay. You don't have to apologize. It's like, there's no, nobody's keeping track of it here. But, um, the, the purpose is that what you would do after today, sometime this week, read chapters 1 and 2. It's only 27 pages, so just read chapters 1 and 2. If you've already read chapters 1 and 2, read the actual book of Genesis uh, in your Bible. Just, just go pick that out and read it and read through the first 40 chapters of that if you want to do some reading there. It kind of goes into more detail than, than this one does. Um, the second thing I'm asking you to do is watch Genesis 1 through 11 and Genesis 12 through 50. That's a... It's the Bible Project. We've got a link at murrayhills.com forward slash the story. It will give you more understanding of what you're reading. And it, they're very, very well done videos. And so that's the second thing you do is watch those videos. And then the third thing is just participate in a group. Whether your small group's discussing it or if your small group's not discussing it or your group's not meeting right now, you can join the Zoom group. We've got two groups that are going to be meeting via Zoom. And they're open to anyone. Ebony's going to be leading those groups and uh, you just go to murrayhills.com forward slash the story, uh, and you can sign up the link there. Ebony's probably commented, if you're watching online, Ebony's probably already commented and given you the link, and, and you can sign up directly on Zoom. That starts Thursday. There's one at 10 a.m., and there's one at 6 p.m., and those will go throughout the entire series. So I'm looking forward to this. I think, um, I think this has a lot of potential to change Lives and to change churches as we spend the next 14 weeks digging into God's word and, and reading the story and seeing how that story, how his story interacts with our story. Okay? Um, let me say a word of prayer for us, and then I got just a couple things we're going to do, and, and we'll be dismissed. All right? Let's pray. Father, we, again, are thankful for your word, the fact that, that it's been preserved down through these ages, that, uh, that you inspired uh, these, these people to write these stories down, and, and that these stories have been preserved so that here we are thousands and thousands of years later, we can read of Abraham, and we can read of Noah, and we can read of, of Adam and Eve, and, and we can learn what it is that you're trying to show us or what you're trying to tell us through these stories. So um, I thank you for that. And I thank you for uh, the story of Jesus. And I thank you for, even though we sin and we mess up, and that does change things for us, and it changes our relationships, you provide a way out. And the way out is Jesus. And it's in his name I pray these things. Amen. All right. Today, as you leave, uh, if you're watching online, we, we're doing sign-ups today for Growth Track. We're going to do that the second, week of, the second Sunday in September, and we'll have a virtual option and a, an in-person option. And it's just basically an introduction to Murray Hills. We haven't done one of these since February, I think. 
So we're going to offer that uh, the second Sunday of September. There's a sign-up link. Ebony will probably throw that up right now, too. So there's a sign-up link online if you want to do that. If you're in the room with us this morning, uh, you can write it on the back of your card. Just, on the, just fill out a card real quick and write on the back growth track. Drop it in one of these baskets as, it, as, it, uh, as you head out. So uh, it's good to see you guys today. This is like the largest crowd we've had since February. So uh, yeah, it's really good to see a, a pretty full room this morning. And, uh, but you still... Still got your distance, so we're still cool. I don't want to freak out the online people because uh, <laughs> they can't see us here. But uh, we got a little extra time this morning, too. And so I would encourage you to hang around and uh, just say hello to each other. Hadn't, probably hadn't seen each other in a few months, so hang around say hello to each other. Those of you online, uh, I guess we could leave it up a little while, too, and y'all can say, online, uh, say hello to each other online in the comment section. You probably have already, but we'll leave that up a little while, too, and y'all could do that. So next Sunday, we'll see you then.